It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. On your Wednesday episode of Locked on Raptors, the Toronto Raptors have signed Juancho Hernan Gomez, a.k.a. Bo Cruz, from the movie Hustle. And that means the Toronto Raptors have 20 players slated to come to camp, which means we can power rank those 20 players in terms of likelihood that they will be mainstays on this year's Raptors squad. That's all coming up on today's episode of Locked on Raptors. Thanks for being here. Oh, like, because when I shot, I expected to make it. So, like, I don't shoot trying to miss. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on? Welcome to episode number 1224 of Locked on Raptors for Wednesday, July the 27th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter as always at WoodleySean. You can find the show at Locked on Raptors and you can follow, subscribe to, rate and review the podcast for free on all your favorite podcast apps. You can also go and support the show on YouTube for free and see my face every single day. Who wouldn't want that? Frankly, uh, you know, maybe just my mom. Who's to say? Who's to say? Either way, thank you very much for supporting the show. Thank you for making us your first listen of the day. And thanks for being here as we are going to dig into a power ranking of the 20 players who will be in Toronto Raptors camp. The ranking will be based mostly on who kind of stands the chance of being mainstays on the team. So we'll start with the guys at the top of the roster. We'll go all the way on through. And this, of course, is in line with the news that Juancho Hernan Gomez, Bo Cruz himself, has been signed by the Toronto Raptors to a deal of uncertain terms at the moment. Likely one of these DJ Wilson-type deals where there's a small guarantee you come to camp and then it's non-guaranteed for the season. And so we'll dig into the Wancho of it all once we get to the back part of the roster. You know, as far as, like, early thoughts on Wancho Hernan Gomez... I know that the movie makes him seem like a fantastic basketball player. Uh, If you've seen Hustle, go watch it. It's great. Uh, Adam Sandler, just in a wonderful phase of his career right now. But either way, the thing with 
Juancho Hernan Gomez is that he's been a journeyman. He's floated around a whole bunch of different teams, and that's for a reason. He's not any great shakes necessarily. He's not going to come in and compete for a rotation spot from day one, but certainly an interesting piece who has had some moments in the past of looking like a pretty effective player. And of course, he is six foot nine with a seven one wingspan, which makes him the apple of the Raptors eye at all times. And so we'll dig into that at the back part of the show. I don't have like terribly strong opinions on Juancho Hernan Gomez. I don't know if it's terribly likely that he'll make the team, but we'll examine that once we get to the back part of the roster in your roster power rankings, which we'll run through on today's show. So let's begin, shall we, with the very top of the roster. We'll get to the middle guys, you know, guys competing for rotation spots, you know, competing to make the team, etc., etc. But we should just start with the dudes who are going to be part of the core, guys who are going to play heavy minutes, guys who are all going to flirt with 30 minutes or more. And so here's how I have the core dudes of the team sort of ranked right now. You can see on the screen there, number one, Pascal Siakam, number two, Fred Van Vliet, number three, Scotty Barnes, number four, OG Ananobi, and fifth, Precious Achua, and at number six, Gary Trent Jr. These guys are the core of the team. They are the guys who the whole thing is kind of built around. They're going to play the heaviest minutes. Some combination of these players will probably close most games. There might be some guys in the next tier of guys that we'll get to who could close games as well, but I think it's kind of chalk to rank these guys as I have here. Pascal is going to be the engine. He is the guy who makes it all flow, and I, I would imagine there will be Probably a bit of a slight leap in terms of his overall production next season. You know, he had a pretty high usage rate this season, about 27.9%, I think, is where he came in. And I would imagine that'll probably stay pretty similar. You know, it, I think it was a weird season last year where the start of the year wasn't quite that high level usage. Near the end of the season, it kind of went up. I think we'll probably just see like a pretty consistent across the board 28, 28 and a half type usage from, from Pascal Siakam this season. And that's great. He's fantastic. We've seen now that he can be the engine of at least a pretty competent half-court offense. Is he Luka Doncic? No, but very few people are. He's not matchup proof necessarily, but of all the sort of reports that are out there right now of him working on his three-point shot more than anything else are to be believed, then maybe there is a bit of a resurgence in Pascal Siakam's three-point shot to be baked into what to expect from him this season. If that happens, I would imagine we'll see a slight uptick in the point production, and I think it'll just kind of make for a healthier version of the Raptors where Pascal doesn't have to be on the ball all the time. Right now, it's sort of like a slightly souped-up version, I would say, of 2017-18 DeMar DeRozan with Pascal Siakam, where DeMar, that season, they kind of realized, well, he's not really much of a three-point threat. He's kind of got to have the ball in his hands to be at his most effective. Kyle Lowry took a bit of a, a backseat in terms of overall usage and, you know, orchestration of the offense. DeMar had probably his best season as a Raptor, maybe the best season of his career up until last year with the Bulls, and... You know, it worked really well for the Raptors. They won 59 games. They were fantastic. They, they crushed it that year. And I kind of think with Pascal, the lack of like a notable pull-up threat in his three-point game makes it a little similar. I think he's a little bit more dynamic in terms of playmaking right now than DeMar was at that point in his career. DeMar's obviously become a ridiculous playmaker, uh, mostly kind of schooled in the ways of the Spurs and sort of, you know, amping up that part of his game in San Antonio, taking it over now to be mostly the de, de facto point guard in a lot of possessions for... 
The Bulls, Siakam, I think, is a more refined passer now than DeMar was back in 2017-18. And, of course, the fact that he is 6'9", he's got the sort of you know rim pressure, the getting to the rim, the, the sort of spin moves, all that stuff. He's got quite a bag to work with and a mid-range game that's not nearly on the level of DeMar's, but certainly took some strides forward last year. It's kind of a similar situation. But if Pascal can amp up the three-point shooting, then... You know, that kind of changes the whole equation for the Raptors offense, and it might allow for some different guys to kind of, you know, slide in there and run some possessions and get their touches, which I think is a thing that we'll probably see for guys like OG Ananobi and Gary Trent Jr., a thing that Nick Nurse has kind of talked about in public. You know, yeah, we want to get them more shots. We want to get them more looks. And I think a big key in that is Pascal Siakam becoming a bit more of an off-ball threat, so he doesn't have to have the ball in his hands all the time. And also just some other development from other guys. Pascal was so clearly the best guy to run the offense offense last year. It's not that they had to run it through him because he was some sort of, you know, waste of space off the off the ball or anything like that. It's not quite as extreme as it used to be with DeMar, where off the ball, he wasn't really being, you know, paid attention to all that much by other teams. Pascal at least has some gravity. He's a great cutter, that type of stuff. But if you can sort of divvy up the responsibilities a little bit because you get some strides from OG and Barnes and Fred even, you know, the back part of last season, Fred was obviously not himself. It forced Pascal to be so heavy, heavily involved in every possession. I think it'll just make for a healthier sort of ecosystem if Pascal can kind of move away from the ball a little bit and less, you know, sort of in that DeMar role from a few years back. Fred Van Vliet, I have at number two. I do think there's a world in which he gets dropped down by the end of the season and Scotty Barnes passes him. We talked about Scotty Barnes yesterday with Freddie Rivas in terms of things we're really excited to watch. And look, I don't want to get too carried away with like the hype train for Scotty Barnes because it's unfair. The dude is a child. He's 20 years old still. He'll be 21 when the season starts. He's going into his second season. It's always risky to heap incredible expectation onto a guy. With that said, I think there's reason to be very bullish on what Scotty Barnes can do, and he was the team's second best player in the back part of the season last year when they won all of the games. They just didn't lose in the back part of the year last year, and so I think with a little bit of an uptick in terms of his on-ball responsibilities, hopefully some development in the shooting department, and also, you know, some strides defensively. You know, he had his moments last year for sure. I think his reputation as a defender sort of, uh, sort of supersedes what he actually is as a defender right now, but the, you know, the reputation's kind of half the battle when it comes to sort of what guys are looking at you as when you are guarding them in space one-on-one. You know, I think some growth there from Scotty, not getting blown by so much, maybe giving guys a little bit more space to work with, trusting his length to contest shots without having to get right into the shirt of dudes. I think that would really help with Scotty Barnes kind of becoming the second most important player on this Raptors team. And I think the vision for this team, as I've said, is to have Scotty Barnes and Pascal Siakam kind of operating as dual heads of the snake with everyone else kind of falling into line after that. OG, I have at number four. I think that's, you know, pretty reasonable. He's obviously a massively important defender and as like a number four option darting in off of cuts, the odd post up here, probably a little bit more in terms of self-creation and running pick and rolls and things like that. Having the ball, trying to get OG downhill with actions. I think we'll see a lot more of that. I think that's a pretty chalk pick at number four. And then five and six, Precious Achua, I have ahead of Gary Trent Jr. Maybe that is sacrilege. I know there's lots of Gary Trent Jr. heads out there. And look, I love Gary Trent Jr. I'm a man who's one of my favorite players of all time, is Terrence Ross. I love a gunner. I love a dude who has no conscience. It's like my favorite thing to watch 
in all of basketball. But in terms of the team itself and the health of the team and the health of the offense and the overall sort of defensive equity, I think, that you can kind of throw out there, I think Precious Achu was a little bit more important to that. And I think, you know, as much as Gary Trent Jr. drove the offensive performance last season, I think some subtle improvements from kind of everyone across the board, the addition of Otto Porter Jr. is going to make it so Trent's three-point shooting and spacing is less of a necessity on the floor for the Raptors like it was last year and more of a, hey, it's awesome when he's out there, but also we can survive offensively when he's not out there. And I just think Precious is like really special defensively. And I really am still on the the board that I think he should be starting. I think Gary Trent should come off the bench. I understand the politics might make it so that doesn't happen because Gary Trent Jr. is going into a contract year. You're probably going to want to keep him happy if you want to keep him around. And, you know, maybe in the world that you want to trade him at the deadline to sort of kick the can down the road a little bit with that roster spot. Maybe you want to showcase him in a starter's role playing 30 plus minutes a game. I don't really know. I, I, I have a hard time sort of pegging down what's going to happen with Gary Trent Jr. this season. I know what I would like to happen. I know I'd like him to be the sixth man he was born to be. But if not, you know, that that's also fine. And I'm sure he'll start and play very well and close games and hit a bunch of big shots and have 30-point outbursts. And that'll be awesome. I just think Precious is a little bit more integral to the health of the team on, you know, sort of a day-to-day basis. And also, I think he stands a way better chance of actually being a core member of the team long-term than Gary Trent Jr. does. So that's why he gets the nod for the fifth spot ahead of Gary Trent Jr. But all these guys are going to flirt with 30 minutes a game, and I hope that they all do, because that'll help sort of take the load off of everybody else instead of having it all stratified where Fred and Pascal are playing 40 minutes a night and everyone else is kind of in the 28 to 29, 30 range. If you could kind of have everyone sort of slot into, you know, 34 minutes a game, if you can spread it out across these guys with a little bit more depth to talk about too, then that would be pretty darn swell. With that, we're going to continue on and dig into the guys who are sort of rotation locks and the guys who are knocking on the door in the next segment here. But first, I do want to tell you about our friends over at betonline.net, the fastest and easiest way to check in on all of your sports betting needs. Find all the latest info, injury reports, podcasts, whatever it is you need to go and make the informed wager. They got odds, lines, and everything that you need to go and have a great time with your sports betting. You know, it's not for everybody. It's not for me necessarily. I don't really know what I'm doing when I sports bet, but when I go to bet online, I get a little bit more information and feel a little bit more confident when I put some money down on something. I like to do like speculative futures bets. Like I'll put money down probably on for the third straight year, the Denver Nuggets winning the NBA title. And uh, I'll probably feel very stupid about it at some point when, you know, Michael Porter Jr. just can't play defense for one second of the in a playoff game or whatever. But I keep on doing that because I believe in the Nuggets, and so I'll put some money down on them. I'll probably put money on the Raptors to get the over because it's just like the easiest money in the whole wide world, in the whole world of gambling. It's just like free money falling from the sky if you take the over for the Raptors. Those bets and so many more available at Bet Online, and they have all the info to make sure you are the informed wagerer. And they have not just all the leagues covered, but they have one off events. They got golf tournaments, combat sports, all of that good stuff, even esports. So go head to Bet Online today, use your mobile device, learn more about the trends and the action. Bet Online is where the game starts. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. 
All right, we are going to continue on here with your first listen of the day, digging into a power ranking of the Toronto Raptors roster, and we will now move from the core dudes to the surefire rotation dudes, I would say, and we'll bring up the little, uh, little graphic here. So... For me, the rotation dudes, it's kind of chalk again. Chris Boucher at 7, Otto Porter Jr. at 8, Thad Young at number 9. You may be sitting there, Sean, Otto Porter's new, Thad Young. He was on the team last year. He fits the vision perfectly. He's a great passer. Why is he below Otto Porter Jr.? I kind of just think it's because Otto Porter Jr.'s skill set is so unique on this team in that he's just like a really damn good catch-and-shoot three-point shooter. Such a valuable skill to have. You know, there's a little bit of redundancy at times with Thad Young. I could see a world in which if any one of these three guys is going to fall out of the rotation at some point this season, I would guess it's Thad. I don't think that's going to happen necessarily. I think all these three guys are going to play a lot of minutes and will help to spread the minutes burden out in a way that they just couldn't last year because they had six or seven guys at a given time that they could trust and that were healthy. And I just think, you know, Otto Porter Jr. is such a perfect fit on this team. You could argue he's the seventh most important player, although Chris Boucher was so bloody good last season. And I kind of went through, if you go back and listen to the player review episode I did on Chris Boucher, I kind of ran through the numbers comparing Chris Boucher to the guys who were the finalists for sixth man of the year. And frankly, it wasn't close in terms of how Chris Boucher drove team performance when on the floor compared to those guys. Tyler Hero, Jordan Clarkson, whoever you want with the six-man conversation, none of them drove winning the way Chris Boucher did whenever he touched the floor for the Raptors last season. And I think he, you know... With a little bit more in terms of minutes, maybe, you know, a bit of a, bit of a bounce back three-point-wise to beef up his scoring totals, I think Chris Boucher could certainly be in the sixth man of the year conversation this season if Gary Trent Jr. is not. Uh, <laughs> I think the Raptors will have, in some way, shape, or form, a really good sort of notable around-the-league sub coming into games, and Boucher certainly stands a really good chance of that. And just the growth that he showed last season, you could argue that he was like, maybe the fifth most important player on last year's team. Like, you could probably slide him ahead of Precious because Precious kind of figured it out later in the year. I'm higher on Precious's ceiling long-term than I am on Boucher's because Boucher's like seven years older, but Boucher is really good and really sort of adapted and found a role within the Raptors and frankly within the NBA that I didn't know he had in him and he became a winning basketball player and that rocks and so he's number seven for me. Porter, just with the sort of the the shooting and, and what he can do, really feels like such a perfect, perfect, perfect Toronto Raptor. The way he was a perfect Golden State Warrior, those skills very much transpose over to the Raptors in just as an effective a way. And it's honestly maybe even more necessary to have Porter for the Raptors than it was for the Warriors because the Warriors are just oozing with shooting at all corners of the floor. Just shooting there, shooting there, shooting there. It's no problem. With the Raptors, not the case. And they desperately need just a little bit of an uptick in three-point shooting across the board this this season and Porter seems like the most surefire way to at least get a little bit little bit of that accomplished with Thad Young you know I think he's going to play a lot I think he's going to sort of be a really good piece to tie together good players like the the top guys the the core dudes that we went through I really think we're going to see Thad just be a nice piece to slot in next to a Pascal next to a Gary next to an OG 
Like, if they decide to run second units where, like, Gary and OG are kind of the lead lead dudes because they want to get them in their touches and get them their moments to try to shine, I think having Thad with those guys would be a really good idea. Neither of them are fantastic ball handlers or anything like that. But if you have Thad to sort of work the margins, you know, work from the elbows, things like that, sort of grease the wheels of the offense for those two guys, I think that'd be really valuable. He's a really good guy to complement other top-end players, and seems like a perfect match to me to have Thad feature heavily in those groups. Honestly, throw Porter out there too. I don't really care. Uh, it's, uh, you know, th- this team's going to be a lot of fun, man. I-, I keep on sort of coming back to it. But the- like the different combinations, the different complements of skills o- on hand, it's going to be really exciting. And I think Thad Young, for me, is one of the guys whose skills are the most complementary to the most players on the team. And we saw, you know, burgeoning chemistry last year with Chris Boucher. We saw in small moments him look really good in sort of starter-heavy lineups as like a small ball five. I think that's really exciting to think about too. There will be some games where he closes just because you got to have dad out there sometimes. And he, he really is kind of the adult in the room in a lot of ways. And I'm a, I'm a big fan of that, and I'm glad he's back. And I, even though I have him below Otto Porter Jr., I think all three of these guys are going to feature pretty heavily in second units and are going to really sort of make the depth for this team shine in a way that it just did not last season or the season before, which is pretty cool. Uh, even the 2019-20 season, they weren't terribly deep. Like the playoffs that year, they're playing like seven guys in the postseason, and that was maybe a stretch because you know there were moments where Marcus All or Norm Powell or Serge Ibaka were not really on their on their game. Um, this is like a roster with nine surefire, very good NBA players, which is a pretty good recipe once you get into the regular season. You're trying to rack up wins. With that, we'll then move into the next section of this uh, tiering system I've put together. And we're going to bring in the sort of dudes knocking on the door, the almost rotation dudes, if you will, and sort of dig into where these guys slot in. I I think it's, this could go a lot of different ways. As I bring it up here, the the almost rotation dudes, number 10, Ken Birch, 11, Justin Champagne, 12, Delano Banton, 13, Malachi Flynn. These guys... I think we'll play at points this season. Injuries happen. Injuries are just a part of life. The Raptors have had a lot of them the last couple of seasons. So you have to expect there's going to be some injury that they have to deal with. And these guys are going to be the sort of guys knocking on the door. I do think it'll be hard for them, assuming health, to start the season for any of these guys to crack the rotation right away. Um, I would expect Nick Nurse to go with a pretty tight nine man. It's not tight. Like, nine men's totally fine for a regular season game. You know, if you're getting into the playoffs, you're certainly not playing nine men. You're going down to seven or eight. And so nine in the regular season, I think, is totally fine and acceptable. You can spread out the minutes pretty well. But these guys are are sort of knocking on the door. I think I have Ken Birch at 10 just because, like, inertia is powerful and he is the most established of these guys. He's also the most traditional center on the team and he got a lot of chances last season despite not being very good despite the floater being pretty off for large stretches of the season he was obviously injured banged up a little slow defensively I still think there's a better version of Ken Birch than we saw last year I don't think he's the player we saw at the end of the Tampa season where it just none of that holds any water to me as far as being real evaluatable basketball if that's a word um, but I do think there's like a more sort of in-between version of Ken Burch than the one we saw last year and the one we saw who just sort of set the world on fire in his very small, modest way with 12 points a game and eight boards or whatever it was at the end of the Tampa year. So I, I would expect, you know, if there's a situation where they're up against the Joel Embiid or a big center, whatever it might be, Ken Burch might get the call just for like the fouls that he can provide. He's also a thick, sort of sturdy dude. He can guard, you know, in the post pretty, you know, reliably. And he sets really good screens. He does big man things. And if 
Precious Achua is struggling to do big man things like set screens, like dive to the basket. I could see Ken Birch maybe getting the call to kind of fill in on the more rough Precious Knights. Um, so I'll, I'll put him at 10 right now. Then 11 through 13 is interesting. I think Justin Champagny for me is just my favorite of this group. I think he has the most Raptors equality, and I think he is the guy who right now is kind of the most ready for a specific role, right? Like last year in the G League, only a 14 game sample. It's pretty small, but you know, was putting up north of six threes a game, was hitting 41% of them. The offensive rebounding is undeniable. The defense is very sound and positionally strong. I could see him, you know, if a Thad Young gets hurt or they're resting Otto Porter because, you know, he's a guy who's had a lot of injuries. They're trying to take care of his body, manage his load. I could totally see Justin Champagne being the first guy to sort of fill in as one of those guys in that three forward matrix off of the bench. And so, yeah, it, it, you know, he's not a guaranteed guy. This is the thing with Champagne and Banton. Neither of them are guaranteed a spot on the team. They have non-guaranteed contracts, but like they're going to be on the team. What are we talking about here? They invested a full season of Justin Champagne in the G League, and he played a lot of games last year and was effective. There's no reason why he shouldn't be back. And Delano Banton, hometown kid, everyone loves him, and he's shown a lot of growth. Um, you know, he's still got his foibles. He's still turnover prone. He's still an unproven three-point shooter and may never be a great three-point shooter. We'll see. Summer League was nice, but that doesn't tell you the whole story. Um, but I do think, you know, th those guys are going to make the team. I would be pretty stunned if they don't, even though they're non-guaranteed right now. And you can kind of lump them in with the next section of guys we're going to get to in the final segment. Um, you know, but Banton, I think just because he's a little bit more rough around the edges probably stands a lesser chance of becoming a regular rotation piece than Champagny. Whereas, like I've said this before, I wouldn't be stunned if by December or January, Justin Champagny's just like a regular rotation guy for the team, getting 14 minutes a night or whatever. Um, Malachi Flynn at 13. This is also an inertia thing. He's just the guy they drafted with a first round pick. He's going to be on the team, I would assume. He's good insurance if you do need some extra point guard play. If, if Fred does get hurt, if, you know, Scotty or Pascal are, you know, maybe overburdened with their ball handling duties, whatever. Even if, like, Thad Young goes out and you need some extra ball handling, I'm sure Flynn can kind of slide in. Uh, I'm not terribly optimistic about Flynn's chances of, like, getting a foothold in the NBA this season necessarily, but I do think he's going to be on the team pretty obviously. And at number 13, feels like a pretty good spot for me in terms of where he slots into the overall hierarchy of guys on the team. We'll come back on the other side and we'll dig into the guys who are going to be in the G League and sort of rank those. And then we'll go to the camp battle dudes to close things out. It's basically four guys fighting for one spot, I, sort of in my reading of the tea leaves. You could say Champagne and Banton are making that six guys fighting for three spots. I don't really think those guys are at risk of getting cut unless they're just like totally, totally un unplayable in the preseason. I think they'll be fine. But we will get to that in just one second and close out today's power ranking. But just before we do that, I want to remind you that you can go listen to Locked On Blue Jays every single day. They've won seven games in a row, baby. They're just torching teams right now, embarrassing the Red Sox, embarrassing the Cardinals, Grand Slams, Vlad Dingers, they're all happening. And Ben Shulman and Matt Bonaparte are breaking it all down for you. So go check out Locked On Blue Jays for free on your favorite podcast apps or on YouTube. They are the very, very best. And the Blue Jays are rolling, baby. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. 
All right, let's continue on here with your first listen of the day, closing it out with the last part of our roster power ranking now that the 20 players who will be in Raptors camp seem to be set. It should be noted that Christian Coloco has not yet signed his contract. That feels like kind of a situation where maybe it's just kind of waiting out the Kevin Durant stuff to see how much money they're going to be working with. I would imagine that'll get done in short order. I can't imagine Christian Coloco is going to go unsigned after being their only draft pick this season. So no alarm there. They got plenty of time to figure this out and lots of roster machinations to sort through before they do that. And it's not like there's a concern of him being a flight risk or anything like that. Um, let's bring it up though. The next tier of guys. And like, you might say, well, these guys are G League guys. Why are they tier four? It's because these guys are going to be in the mix this season in a way that I'm not sure that the next group of guys are going to be. The Raptors love to use their G League guys. They love to use their assignment players. They love to use their two-way guys. Um, and they, you know, even though Christian Coloco, I'm assuming is going to be sent down as an assignment player to the G League pretty often this year. I still think there will be times where he can kind of slot in. Maybe Ken Birch gets hurt again. You need that back up center. You just want to get him some run in NBA games to see what he's got. You know, Justin Champagny played a lot of games last season. Delano Banton played a lot of games last season in the NBA, despite also going to the G League a whole bunch. And I could totally see the same thing for Coloco, where he'll kind of straddle. He's going to be riding the the, the 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 my way to Kipling Station and taking the subway in from Mississauga quite a bit, I would argue, unless they have a car for him, which I would assume they probably do. Uh, but take public transit's great. Christian Coloco, take the my way, take the subway. It's great. Uh, <laughs> either way. I think Christian Coloco is kind of the top of this tier of guys just because he is the guy they have the most invested in. He's the guy at the position of greatest need, I think you would argue as well, um, even though I don't think they necessarily need traditional center play all that much. Precious Achua is probably going to handle it just fine. He's a good rim protector, blah, 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 blah. But I do think Christian Coloco is the top of the G League tier guys just because he's the guy who probably the Raptors are most invested in getting him run. 15, I'd say Ron Harper Jr. Honestly, you could flip him and Jeff Doughton either way. I, I don't think either of them are going to play a ton this season. It's not like last year where there was an obvious void at the back end of the rotation, you know, spots eight and nine, whatever, what have you. Like, I don't think we're going to see a Justin Champagny or Delano Banton-like story from these guys where they get pretty regular run. I think Champagny played like 36 games or something. Banton played like most of the games last season in one way, shape, or form. Garbage time in some situations, few spot minutes here and there. In others, it's not like he was playing 18 minutes every single night he came out. But um, I just don't see the pathway to the back end of the rotation for the two-way guys like we saw last year. I mean, we didn't even see David Johnson play for the Raptors outside of garbage time either. And so I would guess that they'll be pretty heavy in terms of down in the G League, but it's always nice to have that insurance. If Fred gets hurt, then I would imagine Jeff Doughton will be a call-up and they'll probably play him a little bit as a backup guard. Um, but for now, I'm going to rank those two guys below Christian Coloco, although they will be in the mix, unlike the next crew of guys who are by no means guaranteed to be on the team. Let's bring that one up here. The final tier, the four dudes for one spot tier. And this one gets, I think... It's like a matter of taste, I think, as to who you prefer among this crew of guys. I have DJ Wilson at number 17 on the roster, Armani Brooks at number 18, Sveed Mihailuk at number 19, and Wancho Hernan Gomez at number 20. Again, this is a ranking of the guys who I think are most likely to be mainstays on the team this season. I don't think any of these guys are going to be mainstays on the team this season necessarily, but 
you know, got to rank him for, for by some criteria, and I guess this is how we're going. I think DJ Wilson, just because he's a big, because he has some sort of experience with the team, he was very good and had his opportunities cut short by injury last year. I wonder if the Raptors kind of lean on him. He also has a bit more pedigree than these guys. Is like a first-round pick pretty recently. I guess not that recently. It was like 2018 at this point, 2017. I think it was the OG draft where he was drafted. So, you know, maybe it's not like he's got still that shine of being a first-round pick on him, but he did show some nice things in some spots. He was pretty good in Summer League as well. I think DJ Wilson is probably the guy with the inside track to make this spot, but, you know, that depends on how much the Raptors value a little extra shooting off the bench. You know, if a guy gets hurt, if Gary Trent gets hurt, are they going to, you know, go to an Armani Brooks, or are they just going to lean further into being huge and long? That, I think, is a pretty interesting question. The Brooks-Mahailuk spot, you know, both of these guys are sort of interesting in their own way. Sfi is sort of all this sort of tantalizing, what we saw in preseason, are we ever going to see that again, ever? Probably not. Uh, you know, he, he had a really, really rough season last year, just could not get it going, and is more an idea of a shooter than he actually has ever been a shooter in practice. He's like a pretty below average shooter altogether. Um, and, and so I, I don't think you can kind of bank on him having some sort of bounce back because there's not really a bounce back to be had. He's just kind of who he's been. So I think Brooks probably stands a slightly better chance. It seemed like he had a bit more trust late in the season when he was on those 10 days and finally got signed by the team. I think he um, is a little bit better of, of a defender as well, a little longer, so he kind of fits the bill a little bit more. And I think if you did have an injury to a Gary Trent Jr., Armani Brooks is the guy you'd rather throw in there as sort of a low you should stand in the corner, shoot some threes and play defense kind of guy as opposed to Mihailuk, who not only doesn't really shoot threes, is a fine defender and is pretty big, so that's not like a huge knock against him necessarily, but also he can kind of get a little bit more enterprising and uh, pioneering with the ball in not a very aesthetically pleasing way than Armani Brooks. Brooks seems to kind of know where his role is and where his bread's buttered, whereas Mihailuk still seems to kind of have that I was the best player at Kansas vibe, and I don't know if that's going to work out. Of course, Mihailuk does have the edge here because he has a guaranteed contract, so the Raptors have to take a hit to cut him in, in preseason, whereas Brooks, Wilson, and Hernan Gomez not guaranteed, um, but I just think at some point, like the Raptors are just going to say, who's the more talented player? We'll take the small marginal hit to stretch Svima Hiluk's last year or whatever, and just go from there and not really worry about that $500,000 a year or whatever it would be to get rid of Svi this, you know, in the preseason. So I, I still think Brooks is just like a better player right now. And then Hernan Gomez at number 20. I know this will bum out the Hustle fans. I am a Hustle fan. It bums me out. I would like to have Wancho hanging around. I'd like to have Wancho like acting in GIF commercials and like really acting. Like not the sort of Scotty Barnes, Gary Trent. Oh, they're cute. They're in a commercial thing. Like I want Wancho to go method while making uh, peanut butter sandwiches. That would be really fun. Um, I just, I, I don't think there's a great pathway for him to make this team. He's not the same level of defender as DJ Wilson necessarily. He's not obviously the same level of defender of any of the guys in the top 13 of the roster, at least the guys at his position. And he just, you know, he's not had a terribly thrilling NBA career. It's been a lot of journeyman stuff, bouncing around spot to spot, filling in spot minutes here and there. He looked decent with the Jazz at the end of last year, um, and like he's certainly worthy of trying to see if he can win a spot because he's six foot nine, because he's seven one in the wingspan. It's all stuff the Raptors love. Um, but again, I think the idea of Juancho Hernan Gilmas is a little bit more interesting than the player in practice. Um, you know, that's not to denigrate the guy at all. And the, Dan, the man's a hell of an actor. That movie rocked. Go watch it. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I just I have a hard time seeing. Wancho making this team, but hey, 
I hope he does. That'd be really fun. That'd be a cool story. Adam Sandler would sit courtside, I'm sure, a bunch of times. That'd be a great time, too. Um, but I think just sort of looking at the numbers game, it's going to be tricky here. If I had to bet who's going to make the team out of here, I'd say Wilson with Brooks a very close second. Like, I almost had Brooks at number 17 in the roster power ranking ahead of Wilson. Um, but I do think Wilson maybe has a bit more sort of, you know, equity with the team, as little as that might be. I think Brooks actually spent more time with the team, but Wilson seemed to kind of pop a little bit more than Brooks did. Brooks had his moments here and there. Um, and I like Brooks a lot. He, he's, he seems like a cool guy. He did the rodeo thing with the with the Rockets last year. It was like my favorite bit of content we saw all year. Um, but yeah, I, I would say Wilson probably the slight edge just because of the positional need. Although maybe they view Christian Coloco as sort of, hey, that's the backstop to our center issues. We're not going to go any further into the center depth. We'll just play small ball if you know we have multiple injuries at the big man spot. Whereas, you know, Brooks kind of fills in a potential, you know, stopgap if a guy like Gary goes down. We'll see. But that's kind of where my assessment is of it right now. And feel free to disagree if you want in the comments as to where I've gone so, so wrong in these roster power rankings here. But with that, we're going to round out today's show. Thank you very much for tuning in. Appreciate it so much. We'll be back again tomorrow with our pal Jamar Hines from Raptors Republic. And we are going to dig in to a very interesting topic, sort of building off what we talked about yesterday, the three things we're most excited for. We're going to go on the other side and go into three things that we're a little bit worried about going into this season. Look, they're going to be minor worries. I think this team's going to be pretty good. It's going to be very fun. And the expectations are not going to be so sky high that any sort of small disappointment is going to be a disaster. But I do think it's interesting to dig into sort of reasons to maybe slow down the hype train. I'm sitting here calling 54 wins is like my prediction for next season already. And I think a little bit of a pump in the breaks, t tamping down the expectations a tad would be helpful. And we're going to dig into some things that potentially worry us about the upcoming Toronto Raptors and the team construction and all that stuff. So with that, we will round out the show. We'll be back again tomorrow with Jamar. And uh, thank you so, so much for tuning in. Uh, if you have not yet, go subscribe to Locked on NBA. Make it your second listen every day as they are digging into all of the biggest NBA stories. Jalen Brown and the Celtics certainly on tap today. So go listen to that and uh, support it on all your favorite podcast apps and on YouTube for free as all the Lockdown podcasts are. And with that, we'll round it up. Talk to you tomorrow. Bye-bye. Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.